Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. So hello and welcome to the Disruptive HR podcast. And this is where we talk to people who are either in the HR profession or around the HR profession and who are shaking things up and who are doing things differently. And it is my great pleasure to introduce you today to Topi Sadiku, who's the Global Head of Digital Employee Experience at Kraft Heinz. Hi, Topi. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good day. Yeah, because you're in Chicago, <laughs> I'm in the UK. Is it a gloriously sunny day in Chicago, one of those hot, steamy days? It's not even, it's like, it reminds me of summer in England. You know, first thing in the morning when the sun rises and it's like fresh but warm. Lovely. It is heaven. It's 9am here and I've been probably out and about for about, since about 4am. I took the dog <laughs> for a walk. Went to 4 o'clock? Why? And I just wake up. I don't know. I just wake up. Well, so actually, up. you know what's happened to me as well? I don't know whether it's my age or it's the fact that I moved <laughs> to the country in uh, December. I get up about 5, 5.30 now. I don't know what's happened to me. I always used to lie in, but now if I lay in, to like seven I feel like I've missed the day yeah and I guess it just sounds phenomenal so we're right by a park and we hear birds even in the city so I can imagine yeah. the company it must it's sound just like beautiful so it's nice. just beautiful and zen and so, zen so you're not an HR person are you tell us a bit about your background so I, my under, if I start like with my educational background my undergrad was in accounting finance and economics and then I finished university I went on to become a chartered accountant and I spent like the first 10 years of my career in purely finance roles really actually in retail and CPG um so I did like proper I, I actually worked for what the uh, I'm gonna say the Waltons but for Walmart um but you know Asda I was actually gonna say but they have a subsidiary in the UK you guys will know so for Asda I worked on a great I took a graduate placement and they moved me around the whole organization. So I looked after general merchandise, um, property, uh, internal audit was a position that I did, retail finance. Um, and that was pretty much what I did. I also moved to another company and then I looked at supply chain finance and then eventually moved to Kraft Heinz. And actually the, I moved to Kraft Heinz at the moment when they merged Kraft's and Heinz together. So I think in the UK, we are familiar with like some of my favorite products like baked beans they are just so delicious I had some for lunch today oh they, you know <laughs> that Americans don't eat beans like the way we do they don't get baked beans on toast with a little they bit of grated cheddar no. or like salad cream yeah but anyway at that time when I joined Kraft Heinz the two com companies had just merged together and I um, worked for our at the time he it was our, it was Europe and then we became Europe Middle East and Africa and it was the CIO that I worked for and I looked after his like um, like the office of the CIO, so purely his finance, um, investment costs, operational expenditure, like manage, managing the balance sheet, managing the PL. And then he had an opening in his team in Dusseldorf uh, for a head of technology for our central, northern, and eastern business. And he said, Look, Toppy, I know you're not a tech person, but I think you'd be good at it. Um, would you be interested in trying? And you know, I, I hats off to him because he, in that, in the earlier part of my Kraft Heinz career, he he could see things in me that I couldn't really see in myself. And I remember saying, look, I, you keep trying to teach me what one and lan is. I don't even get that. 
And now you're asking me to go and head technology, but it was actually just about like listening to people, um, listening and, and not projecting onto them. And then actually taking whatever needs or whatever questions they had and finding the right people in the business who could help solve it. So actually it was like a business partner role and technology just happened to be the subject that we were talking about. Um, and I learned a lot about tech there. I kind of continued doing my original position and I would just travel between Chicago and uh, Chicago, sorry, London and Dusseldorf. Um, and I did that for about 18 months. It really, really did teach me a lot because I'd started off just like looking after money. Um, and then I understood, I, actually, this is what it means in a business. And I remember one of the best pieces of advice I got um, was that you always have choices. Toppy, you always have choices. You have a budget, but you always have choices. And if something comes up in the year, you can choose to not do something else. And I, I don't know, I just remember... I got that uh, advice. You know, I think, you know, sometimes we we, we get a, a lot of pushback from managers and leaders who talk about the people agenda and they go like, we haven't got time. We haven't yeah. got time. And I always use the same thing. It's like, you have got time. It's just that you are choosing to prioritize something else. That's right. And that wait. might be a choice that you're comfortable with, but, mm -hmm. but own it, you know, That's own right. it. That is so, so true. I mean, you start the day with the best of expectations, but who knows what happens when you step out the door. Yeah. So that's exactly. So tell me how you tell me this about the role you're doing now. Yeah. So my title is um, Global Head of Employee uh, Digital IT Experience. And now I report to our CTO. As you mentioned, I'm based in Chicago. So that's actually where our global head office is. Um, and I sit within our operations and engineering team, really looking at how we use technology to provide like a delightful experience uh, for our employees. And our CIO, our global CIO, his, his charter to me before I took this position was, you are responsible for creating a delightful experience, ensuring our employees have a delightful experience. And that's- um, That's really refreshing. Yeah. And so refreshing. You know, we come up against HR people who are really battling with their CTOs, which is about, you know, let's shut everything down, let's lock it down, let's protect mm -hmm. the organization, rather than how do we create a delightful experience. I mean, that's a that's a hell of an agenda and a yeah. really refreshing one. And I will say, you know, operations and engineering, we keep the lights on and that is like priority number one, which it's as like as much as it can pain me to say that if, it, if I would say pains me, it is important because at the end of the day, if we don't have like internet, if we don't have laptops, if we don't have systems and tools, if we don't have our data center, if we don't have our network, the ways we host, the business actually does not function. And, and it's even more than like office workers cannot work. We cannot actually like produce food that like feeds people in the world. And, and one of the most phenomenal things I think Kraft Heinz did during the pandemic is we had a campaign around like feeding America, which then became we were feeding the world. And we, we, we focused intensely on making sure that we could have products that would last, you know, that people could you can stock them in your cupboard. So we, when there was all the fear around being around people and, you know, this idea of physical distancing was really just taking yeah. up. Yeah. We really lent into our products. And I, I was like so proud that, you know, we are a CPG. Um, we, we make the products, but we really, really lent into how are we like serving our customers? And that was the focus for everyone. But I think also the point you make is a good one is that sometimes we think, you know, delightful experience is about, you know, I don't know, kind of 
Fitbits and Zoom yoga and and all these lovely things. But actually, a lot of what people want is just to be able to do their jobs seamlessly with the and tools well. they need and exactly. well. Serve yeah. the customers in a seamless way, yeah. be able to purchase things that they need to do their jobs. You know, yeah. sometimes it's not actually the big sexy stuff. It's mm-hmm. just enable me to do my job well. And that will take some stress out. That will actually please me. That will make my life better. So but we don't always have to kind of go to the other end of the extreme. Yeah. And that's right. a good I'm gonna I'm like... gonna move us on actually because I'm yeah, just a little yeah. bit nervous of the time because I want to make sure I've got so many questions for you. Um Part of what you you do in your role is about this kind of how do you want your people to feel? And, and it's something that, that when we're working with clients on employee experience and, um, and, it, and it kind of really is, I think, sometimes hard for us to get our heads around it. We think about process or technology. We think about tools rather than how do we want people to feel? So you talked about a delightful experience. How, how have you kind of uh, focused on the digital employee experience? How do you want it to feel for your people? Yeah. I I guess I want people to feel like things just are automatic. You don't even have to think about it. For example, like an iPhone, you shouldn't pick your phone up and hope that it doesn't fall apart in your hands and hope that if When I worked uh, somewhere previously and and I had to go for my BlackBerry training, it's like, seriously, if you had to have Mm -hmm. training on it, it's not a great experience. Not exactly. And, And do you know that I love you said that because how do we learn in our, like, personalized i buy a toast i don't need to, i don't really need to read the instruction manual maybe if i was and i wouldn't even build complex tech like furniture but if i was to do that i wouldn't you know there's if i have to read the instruction manual probably i would outsource it to someone who's professional but for the most part we buy things and we just use them and we don't think is it going to fall apart we buy it for a purpose like for a value and when i talk about delightful experience like the charter that i have been given is toffee this should just be automatic it should be frictionless and it should enable our employees to remain in flow. So if we think about like our conference rooms and our meeting rooms and the technology when people just want to be able to connect, it shouldn't be complex where someone's got to enter all of these different codes. It's- or you have to get the guy from IT support to come in and connect exactly. you. And, oh God, yeah, of course. We've kind of forgotten all of that. We, you know, Zoom and Teams and stuff like that. We've just kind of, we've just expect it to work, don't we? Right, but as people begin to come back to the office, we do need to think about like, what does that relationship between the in-person and maybe let's say someone who's working asynchronous or or hybrid, like how do we provide that like flow, frictionless, delightful experience as people move through those different spaces? Yeah, and I think... I think we've got pretty good I and mean, we've always managed meetings, physical meetings face to face really well. I think we've actually got really much better at managing teams and Zoom and virtual meetings. It's the um, interface between the two, isn't it? It's where you've mm-hmm. got several people in a room and some people who are remote. I still don't think that's particularly going well unless you've got something that's working really well for you guys. Well, I, we we have lent into so many different like groups that have like research and experience. And and if I think about what IT does or what technology does is we look at it from a digital productivity point of view and we say, here's how you can use our technology to collaborate, to problem solve, um, to connect with your, um, connect with like people who are either in the same place as you're in a, in a different space. But we have a phenomenal engagement team who have been doing like research with other organizations, people who are really, really intensely focusing on that space. And no one claims to even know, but what we think we can do is at least like provide enough different instances and examples and hopefully get closer to 
where we kind of like what's the north star i i, I know um that we are really really focusing on it without saying that we're experts but we're really like trying to make sure we nail it and get it right fantastic Moving on then to some of the values that you place a lot of emphasis on, which is ownership and autonomy. And that, that you know, is music to my ears because we talk a lot about you know, employees as adults, as grown-ups, taking responsibility. Um, can you give us any examples about how this translates into the kind of working lives for your people? And in particular, how are they enabled from a technology point of, be- point of view to own their own performance and their own development? Yeah. So we really try to make sure that the tech that we have is agnostic in a way. So if something like Microsoft Teams, it's not like you need like a special device to use Teams. You can use it on your personal, you can use it on a Craft Times device, yeah. on your personal laptop. You can use it on a mobile, a tablet. Even if you think about your browser um, or like SharePoint or OneDrive, we've really moved towards this like modern, like modern workplace, which is device agnostic. Um, and in, 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 it allows for this idea of like personalization for the individual. And for me, that's like the most important thing right because it's less about telling people what to do it's just making sure that when they want to do what they want to do they have what they need when they get there um and I all like our teams have done a really really good job on that we've really lent into this idea of like webinars uh, where we educate our employees on different use cases and we solicit feedback we answer questions we have a network um collaboration champions we call it where we solicit feedback from employees and then if something becomes quite a big theme we'll talk about it on a global level or we'll answer the individual back themselves and we really try and like share knowledge and take feedback on and then act on it right so really user-centered so you've got an interest in behavioral science like me you know massive fan of the whole kind of nudge theory thing and um, I'm sure you're as excited about its potential in terms of technology and uses of technology as I am as it in, in HR um, how do you think organizations can use nudge nudges nudge theory to improve employee experience and how are you using nudge theory um, at Kraft Heinz So when I think of like behavioral science and like the idea of libertarian paternalism, the idea that, you know, you have, you make the desired outcome, the most easiest kind of like path that a person will take, but you do not remove autonomy and free will. And when we think about like what it means, like join meetings or what it means to like collaborate with your, with your colleagues, everything is so integrated, like we really have this very strong um, Microsoft 0365 platform where you can be on your phone, you can be in Outlook, you can send something to Teams. It's just so obvious and just so there. But actually, if you want to work in a different way, we don't deny that. Um, we don't block it off. And actually, what we try and do is really empower people to work in the ways that are, are really good for them. So without us, we don't really have like a nudge unit. Um, but a lot of people that I know that I work with, we we are kind of like interested in the space. So we try and apply it in the different areas that we work in. And especially like for me, I'm continually thinking about, okay, how do I like remove friction? How do I make this automatic? How do I make it easy? How do I reduce the cost for somebody to kind of move down a yeah. certain path? Um, and yeah, that's probably how I would say that we integrate. And I like what you say there, which is it's not about uh, taking away free will and choice, but it is kind of just making the desired outcomes the easiest to achieve. And I think that's really important because I think, you know, uh, we kind of there are some worries that it's perhaps a bit manipulative or it's taking away that free choice. But I think actually it's about just making it the easiest thing to do, because we know that if change is hard, difficult, 
you know, presented to us as something that's going to take a long time. Why would we bother? You know, that's we're right. mentally lazy. Uh, we, we can be kind of worried about it, worried about change and changing behavior. So let me make it as simple and as small as possible. I always laugh when, you know, IT is guilty of this as well as HR, where we talk about, you know, big transformation programs. Why would we dress it up like that, actually? You know, mm. let's kind of keep it uh, sort of focused and um, and make it feel easy to achieve. That's right. Now, I'm going to ask you the last question, because, again, I know we don't have a lot of time, but uh, it's really about you and your team. And I know that you've made a, a quite a had a big focus with your team about be comfortable failing, mm. you know, that kind of psychological safety to use the psycho babble. But. Um, that creation of a psychological safety for your team. Just talk to us how you've done that. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's because in my own self, I am not afraid of it as much because I kind of recognize that I, I'm, I'm trying to get to a goal. I'm trying to figure something out and as many different ways it take, as it takes me is, is as many different ways. Do you I'm think that's to- a byproduct of the very different roles that you've done? In that you've yeah. deliberately or consciously or been encouraged to move into roles where you were no longer the expert, where yeah. you just had to be curious, and of yeah. course you're going to make mistakes. Um, most definitely, and, so. and most career paths are not as varied as, as yours have been, and I think that, you know, that is a real testimony to you and your, you know, lack of fear and courage in that having humility and curiosity. Yeah, but you know, as I'm, I'm just reflecting now. I would say being uncomfortable. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable is a big part of my life. Like I practice archery for no reason. Like I'm never <laughs> going to be, become, I'm not, there's no commercial value whatsoever. It's just something that like I have the strength, but I'm not like great at like hand-eye coordination in that way. So I'm like, okay, let me just see how I can perfect it. And what I love about archery is that you cannot stress. Every time you pick that bow and arrow, you have to be so focused on where you're going, like just die to the self, it, intense focus. And I guess in my life, I, I enjoy being comfortable in the being comfortable, being uncomfortable, that it just feeds into everything else. You know, we started off by talking like about my morning. I work out every single day. And yes, I do. I'm, I am strong. But every day, even in yoga today, I was like practicing something. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And I tried and I fell and I got back up and I fell and then I got up and I could do it. And my trainer said, you, you, you will always like try. You laugh when you fall. And I thought, because that is the life that I live and but not everybody's like you so I think partly your um, leadership and your role modeling will be very powerful for the team but you'll equally have team members that will be really anxious about failing because of their backgrounds or their own experiences Mm. so how do you instill that in the team I think again like encouragement because if I think about like going back to yoga when I fall my teacher doesn't say you're stupid you're so bad she will <laughs> laugh with me and say okay actually maybe you should just try this you know what it looks like that's not going to work for you. why don't you try this and I think like leadership for me is you've got people who are trying to cross like a body of water and let's say it's really turbulent and you may have leader who's watching alongside you maybe in a boat can see different things that can possibly help you maybe there's like a plank of wood there that you can catch your breath and maybe when you are in the in the midst of the water you cannot see but it's important at least for me the leadership style that works for me and the one that I respect for towards me as well is when someone can say do you know Tapi, you probably didn't see this take a break here okay that didn't work for you this time why didn't it work let's talk about why it didn't and let's yeah. try and learnings focusing on the learning yeah. celebrating successes and celebrating the failings and learnings as well that's right as you were talking I was I've, I've just taken up tennis and um and I'm just so bad but my my coach, my tennis teacher, I suppose coach sounds too flash, but he's 
he's so positive right he's so positive and he finds something to compliment in every time I do a backhand or yeah. with my serve the only thing he could find to compliment was well done for not try attempting to serve that ball because it went in the wrong direction <laughs> it's the only thing he could but think of to say something I there, said oh right? bless you that there was something there you know <laughs> there is, I think at the end of the day we just like encouragement and like the best environments I have been in are when I don't feel embarrassed or I don't feel like victimized or I don't feel kind of like bullied if I'm not doing something well. Um, and, and that's like where Toffee personally thrives. So I just try and create that for people who are around me as well. Yeah. Fantastic. Really positive. The fact you work out every day is just made me feel really <laughs> inadequate. So I'm going to draw this conversation to a close now. <laughs> It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you and meeting you. And I hope one day we can meet in person, Toffee, because you are an absolute inspiration. And um, yeah, so uh, I hope people have enjoyed listening to this. We've got loads of other podcasts of people who have tried to, who are trying to do things differently and shaking up the HR profession, either directly or uh, indirectly like Toppy is. But uh, it's thank you so much for spending the time with us. Have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. I wish you the same as well. Take care. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.